Welcome to our newest episode of the Lebanese Physicians Podcast. Today, we will be talking about entrepreneurship and medicine. And our guest today is Dr. Rashid Aie. Rashid actually did his Bachelor of Science in Physics at the American University of Beirut and subsequently did the beginnings of his medical school at Avalon University in the Caribbean and afterwards transferred to Boston University where he ended up doing his radiology residency and did a fellowship in nuclear medicine at Harvard University. But then somehow Rashid decided not to go into a clinical practice and uh, chose a different uh, pathway uh, for himself. And uh, right now he is based in Boston and talking to me from Miami, Florida. Uh, I envy him a bit, but I think it's very, I, I think it's very hot over there right now. So uh, that's fine from my standpoint. So <laughs> Rashid, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Actually, it's really cool here. I, I heard two days ago, it was super hot in Boston and New York. So probably it was hot as well in DC. It was very hot. Yes, two days ago. Right. Right. So Rashid, so what, so what happened? So you, you went, you did your uh, radiology residency, you did your fellow nuclear medicine subspecialty, and then suddenly you're like, okay, I'm not going to do, do clinical medicine. I'm going to go into something else. Like how did, how did you end up doing that? So, so I, I was mostly focused into nuclear medicine and into uh, the molecular imaging, mostly in my, in my training at Harvard. It was um, uh, at uh, MGH. And um you know, you, uh, you get exposed to so many uh, the public companies that, you know, once they find a tracer, they would go and they would open their own company and, you know, and they start raising funds and they start to go and pitch for all those, but the big pharma company about, about what, uh, what did they find? And, you know, I saw this was amazing and um, their lifestyle would change drastically from the lab bench work to the entrepreneurship world. And, um, it was it was very um, it was very captivating. So as soon as I finished, I was doing some real estate in Boston, and I had kind of some of my management skills. You know, since I was a kid, I always had this uh, this aspect for like I could spot a good opportunity in business, and uh, I decided that maybe it's time to do an MBA and just get those skills that are lacking from my medical school or or from my medical education. And those skills, you would be surprised, but they are very, very vital for any doctor, you know, like accounting and like finance and just understanding the basic economics of the world. And although the MBA is not necessarily a good program to go into so much depth into those, um, into this subject, but as a medical doctor or, you know, as a, as a non-business guy, I feel it added so much value in order to understand what's happening around you, how to do a PNL sheet, how to know the differences between assets and uh, the liabilities, and how to read a financial statements. So I, you know, I went to the MBA and I literally my eyes opened up to so many opportunities for a medical doctor in the business world. And and that's what what led you afterwards. So you did it. I, I guess when you do the MBA, it's important to do it because you learn a lot about accounting and and uh, financial uh, sheets. Uh, it's very complicated, like I've done some courses, but I haven't done an MBA and I think it's very complicated. It needs a lot of uh, mathematical analysis and stuff like that. And But the other part of it is I think you meet a lot of people when you're doing your MBA, right? From different backgrounds. Right, and I would say that this is the biggest asset of trying to think to go to an MBA because the people and their experience from the business world is actually what brings value to an MBA. 
So usually if I were to suggest for anybody to do an MBA, I would suggest them to do them at an Ivy League school or one of the top five MBAs if they are already into business or into engineering. Now, as a medical doctor, it would be better to go into the top five Ivy League schools. But if you're just seeking this bit of knowledge that will spark your entrepreneurship career, then probably any MBA would do it. And uh, I did mine at Hult International School of Business. So it was mostly a very international cohort. And, you know, you would be surprised, but there were so many people like there was dentists, there was like uh, the pharmacists, they were like so diverse and you learn from everybody, literally. And, and this is the biggest value of an MBA because at the end, you can find those courses anywhere on the internet, right? If you want to learn accounting, you can go and get a course and learn it there. You know, it's, I mean, as medical doctor, I don't think we have any hard time in learning anything new since we went through hell uh, during medical school. So if we set our mind to learn anything, we can do it. The only difference is with the MBA, they just give you what you exactly need. And you go through cases of like big companies and how they made it and, you know, what was the difference which you might not find in, um, you know, in all those other courses online. Right. And uh, so your first entrepreneurship, I guess, before your MBA was going to the real estate uh, world. But then afterwards, it looks like you left that. And how, what was your first project after you finished your MBA? So actually, I was way, way before into business. You know, I was mostly into like, even when I was at, at, at AUB, we used to do event management I, and I, I used to be a, a student representative at uh, AUB for all those three years as an undergrad. So I was very much involved into event management and management of students and activities. And um, I started my first company in Beirut about marketing. So I, it, it goes back long, long before real estate. But real estate was a very important phase because, you know, Boston is so expensive. And uh, I came... I come from a very modest family in Lebanon and, you know, my dad wouldn't really afford to pay the rent sometimes. So I had to think outside of the box and sometimes the circumstances around you drives you to drive profit. So, you know, and this is how I started. I had no money at all, actually. And uh, I had uh, really good relationships with my landlords and uh, I would take the house and I would manage it on their behalf instead of having a management company. And actually, I would like truly uh, uh, make almost a hundred percent return on uh, on my rent investment <laughs> from uh, from uh, from all the sublet. And you know, once you replicate this model a couple of times, you know, you uh, you quickly get to a six figures easily. And um, you would say that, oh my god, you know, all this time to manage just a couple of people and it's just giving you like a six figure. It's, it's, it's really straightforward. And, you know, why can't we expand on that? And, you know, so, so real estate was mostly about management, not necessarily about truly going and trying to invest into real estate, because, you know, at that time I didn't have the money, but then slowly, slowly, once you build up, then you start making partnership, then you start, you know, LLCs and you get a house with some partners and you rent it out and you move out, you know? So like, it's, it's, um, I think real estate is a very stable and very solid business for anybody who's working in a different career and business. So after real estate, I started a marketing, a marketing company also in Boston. And uh, what we, what I was doing is mostly uh, the driving traffic and patients to doctors online. And uh, that was amazing. And uh, so this is where I made the shift. I'm like, okay, 
you know, my lifestyle is good. Why would I go in the dark room or uh, behind a microscope or, you know, do all this work for like literally the same amount of money when I'm living on my own terms? And um, yeah, I went to the MBA and then I said, okay, I got my green card at that time, which was really cool. And uh, I said, all right, let me go and try to experience the corporate world. And, you know, obviously the first stop as a medical doctor with an MBA, you would go to the pharma, to the, to the dark side. Right. <laughs> so I went. Um, so you went to the dark, dark side then. I went to the dark side oh. and actually it wasn't as dark as you would think. Oh. <laughs> so I wanted to experience a new state, you know, a very sunny state. So I went to Florida. And I got, uh, I was uh, the director of management of the clinical operations. So I was the head of three global clinical trials. And um, it was amazing because this company was like a startup. It wasn't really uh, a huge, big company. And I'm kind of the guy who likes startups. You know, I like when uh, truly people wear so many hats and take really initiative, you know, and they're not told what to do, but they take the initiative to do it. And that's what set truly people who are successful and not successful, right? If you just do what you're told to do, you're going to succeed, but you're not going to go that much, right? But if you take initiative, you take risks, you assess, you you reanalyze what you did and what you didn't do, you know, this is when you're truly going to, you have a chance of, uh, of making it happen. So there they were, they were developing an amazing software, which was a decentralized software to manage all those trials. And we had patients in uh, in Russia, in Ukraine, in uh, Kiev, in uh, in the Middle East, in Miami, in Florida, in Michigan. Like literally, you know, and it was so hard to manage all those all those patients because the FDA regulations is super tough, and every data is like a huge project by uh, by itself. So I learned from them so much, and I said, "All right, I think I can do it by myself as well." So. So, so it's one question for you before you continue. Is yeah. You were managing like clinical trials were happening all over the world, not only US-based clinical trials, right? Right. So the clinical yeah. sites, basically, you know, if you have a clinical trial, you know, mostly at, at this company, what we what we were doing is we were we were targeting rare diseases. You know, rare diseases is a very uh, is a very hot subject for all those big companies because as they say in business, it's a it's a blue sea. And in the blue sea, you have no competitors. Right. So if you go into a Red Sea, let's say if you do research and a very common disease, you know, you have so many competitors. Everybody is on the merge of a discovery. But if you pick a very rare disease and you, you know, you bring uh, the KOL, you know, uh, of, of that of that subject matter and you work with them and you are the only one who's trying to innovate on that level, it's very profitable at the end. And, you know, it's not only about profit, but like you're helping also those people who have no hope of a treatment. Uh, and it's so hard to find those patients. Like one of the biggest of the biggest struggle and the biggest obstacle for those companies is to find those rare diseases patients, right? So the search is global. And we, we try to make relationships with all the clinical sites, all the hospitals everywhere until we find those patients, right? And, uh, and that's why it was international. So it's basically similar, sort of similar to the NIH, but on a startup scale. Right. So, so, so it's like it's like private, you know. Like uh, the NIH is mostly about the government, and they give you like government fund. But in a private company, you know, you always have the sponsors that are looking for that niche 
or for that disease or for that type you know of uh, uh, of treatment and uh, you know the NIH will not truly cover everything so you have all those small private companies that are tackling other aspects right 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 and then how did you so you said that at the end you you decided okay I can do this on my own so what did you do at that point so okay so every phase in life you learn something right so from let's say from the event management you learn how to deal with you know lots of cows in the real estate you learn how to deal with slobs drug addicts you know like so many kind of you know all kinds of people so during the uh, during the clinical trials i was very impressed about the decentralization and how you can do things remotely and uh, you know and like how like there is a way that you can do things and you can automate things around you that brings so much value and actually that that can make you look like your work is equal to 10 people's work okay and this is the value that this company was doing so everybody thought that this company was huge we had the thousands of employees but actually we didn't all what we did we had like an amazing system so much automations that your work is so replicated you know, so that everybody feels like, oh my God, you did so much, but was so little. So I took this concept and uh, in the, the December 2019, I left the company and I started uh, Book the Doctor and I used exactly the same systems, uh, the same automations. Now we search for rare diseases as well, but we do it through the telemedicine platform as well. And it, it is also decentralized. And so this is your, your newest endeavor right now is Book the Doctor, right? Right, correct. So you you basically, when you went and started a company on your own, you need to get investors with you, right? To convince some investors to back you up, right? Right. So the thing is that, you know, every business that I started, uh, I started it from scratch. So you didn't have any investment. And I always try to think outside of the box. And I always try to think, okay, what can I do to provide money so I can apply my ideas. And this is how we came up with, so basically we have no investors, but we are boot, uh, bootstrapped, which means that we generate money that funds all our activity. So, and at that time we had COVID, right? So COVID hit, you know, we had the restrictions, things were going downhill. And I thought that it might be a good idea to start a behavior psychology program online that will make people more disciplined, you know, more accountable to themselves. And the coaching industry has been booming in the past two years. And, you know, I said to myself, all right, maybe we should try to develop those programs. So we have the mind hack program and we have the body hack program. So the mind hack is basically a course. And, uh, you know, it's, it's an experience basically where we assign a coach to you that teaches you the hacks of how to overcome any obstacles or any mental block that you have about anything in your life. And it's a 12 week program. So there's no prescriptions and you have a coach, a behavioral psychologist and a psychiatrist always that are trying to follow up with you, trying to guide you and give you advice on some issues that might be trivial to you, but not to other people or vice versa. And during COVID actually we saw a huge boom in our program. So we had lots of people who are who were buying our programs. And we started the fitness one as well. So it's called the body hack. So the body hack as well, we use, uh, we use instead of just using the diet, 
and the coach that just will uh, will tell you exactly what you need to do at home you know uh, as, a, as an exercise you use also the psychological tools that instead of having a restrictive diet we just make you you know uh, we just tell you eat whatever you want but don't worry we're going to work with you on the psychology plan where you're going to feel good about yourself when you want to lose weight because most people when they lose weight they have this like oh my god i don't want to eat burgers i don't want to drink beers anymore you know like and then they go back into it so it's all about psychology and uh, so we boosted those programs a lot and we're doing really well and those programs are generating actually the money so we can develop our vision wow and how how do you advertise like how did you advertise these programs like they just because you because I, i mean i guess you advertise it first and it's word of mouth afterwards right right so we started through through facebook and uh, and through instagram because everybody was at home everybody was on the internet you know everybody was like kind of like truly connected to the net and our program is online so basically we connect you and we have our own apps so we developed our own apps and now we are developing our own web app so we have an ios app and uh, for the mind hack and we have an android and, and an ios app for the for the body hack and uh, yeah as you said you know we start through small marketing friends and family you know why don't you take it for half the price or you know try it out if it works good for you if it doesn't work what did go wrong how can we improve and you build a team around you you know like most the biggest aspect is that everybody has to understand that no matter how good they are they are as good as their team right so you have to pick up like a good team people who are who have incentives that are as aligned as you right because if you pick up a team member who's only goal is to make money then yeah he's going to work until he makes money but he's not going to work if he doesn't have the same vision the same incentives as you do so that was the key part and so what is your goal now with uh, booksy doctors so what is your goal with with, with this uh, app and uh, right so so that's a great question and actually we have been discussing me and my team for the past three to four months and um, we just started the execution so we have a very bold plan and hopefully we will succeed at it i'm not sure if we will but hopefully we will we are hoping to decentralize electronic medical records what does that mean it's it's a big word so now as you know every hospital has his own system his own mr you have epic you have eclinicals you have atna health and this company makes it super hard to really try to integrate everything together you know you need apis and all these stuff and with the rise of the blockchain technology we hope to create a, a system where every patient becomes the owner of his, his own data and he can choose to share them with whoever doctor he wants to see all his history like how many of us have struggled any time we go into residency or into a fellowship to get or all our vaccine history for example right you have to call your, right. your primary care from lebanon you know when i was three years old which have b did i get what time did i get it did i get the bcg did i get you know so by doing this actually we hope to uh, try to innovate in the healthcare the healthcare is a very solid and a very rigid place to try to innovate in because there's so many stake from so many from so many players but hopefully if we give this power to the patient and we give the patient the power to decide what he wants to do with his own data maybe this would start a good change but how do you de- i mean you're saying decentralized but when the patient still go to the hospital there's still information still going to be on 
Epic or Cerner or whichever other EMR that, that they're using, right? But I know there's some programs right now, but it's state-specific where you can potentially have a cloud-based system. Is that, is that what you're talking about, more like a cloud-based system that's nationwide or no? So, so the cloud-based system, you, you know, there will still be a source who is controlling this data. We don't want to control this data. So we don't own this data, right? So the patients own it. So the beautiful thing about the blockchain is that it is, it is owned by so many as many people as they use it. So yes, all those people have still data on all those systems, but I feel, we, we think, we believe that if we create a very easy system for this data to be transferred to the blockchain, then, then automatically those people are going to move to that field instead of keeping their records on the Epic. And every patient has, uh, has the power to request his own data, right? So we are working with our tech team so we can provide a very easy system so the patient can provide a link to the IT of the hospital and all his data will be downloaded and transferred to his own blockchain. So I understand it now. So basically, it's more of a patient-centered system rather than talking to the hospitals to download the data on your system. All right, because no, no hospital is going to do that. Right. No company is going to do that. They They're own the data, and the more data you own, the more money you right. Exactly. And, you know, and uh, so if we go back to the basics and we give the power to the patients, right, and um, that will change things. So what you've done is... Always entrepreneurship takes a lot of risk. Even if you talk to, for example, the founder of Amazon, right? He's taken a lot of risks in his life and, and failed miserably uh, multiple times that finally he was able to make it. Everybody thought he was crazy when he started Amazon. So basically, you you not only have to have the mindset for this, but you have, but you have to act on your idea, take exactly. the risk and uh, believe that you will succeed, but you could also fail. But then if you fail, you can start all over again. And I feel that's what you're doing right now, right? Exactly. And and if if I were to give one learnings from my experience is that it's not always about the money. Money is good, of course. It will help you stay sustainable. But sometimes if you believe in a vision, if you believe that you can do something that will help your friends around you or the people around you that you care about, then you will make so much eventually. And actually, I had a very good experience when I used it to be in the in the Caribbeans. I I didn't have money as well, and uh, I was actually sleeping on a couch at my colleague's apartment for like two months. And I was wondering how can I pay my tuition? How can I do this? You know, and with all those my the histology courses and all this anatomy, you know, it's it was so hard. So and literally on a Tuesday night, I remember there was a bar close to our campus, and two weeks before that. I started a Facebook page and we went, me and my friend, and we started to took some pictures of the island and we grew this page exponentially to a thousand likes. And on that Tuesday night, I created an event and I told everybody to come have a beer. So Tuesday night is a very dead night for this bar owner. And truly like more than uh, 60 people came to this bar. And the owner was like, Oh my God, who did this event? You know, I want to make business with them on a Tuesday night. I don't make any money usually. You know how it is. So, you know, everybody told him about me. And then, you know, he came to me. He was like, hey, would you want to partner with me? If you bring more people, I'll give you more money. And 
I thought about it and I'm like, well, I need the money, but do I truly want to ruin my reputation and lose all those friends that were helping me have a good time on the island and in my medical school and everything? So I said, wait, I will come back with a better idea. So the next day I came back and I told him, look, I don't want any profits from you. Whatever you sell, you sell for yourself. All I need is an opportunity to be at the door and I will charge $5 as a cover and I will choose whoever I want to let in. And basically what I did is all my friends were, uh, were coming in for free and everybody that I didn't know, well, had to pay $5, right? So basically it's as if I was giving my friend $5 just to come and enjoy. And I was making a night, maybe $100, $200, which was like by two or three hours. And I thought this was amazing. And actually the, the biggest surprise is that, you know, on an island when everybody knows everyone, then everybody has now an incentive to get to know me because they would enter for free if they would know me, you know? So, so things would go, you know, and like it was a, a truly a snowball effect. And literally in two, three months, I was probably the, the biggest well-known guy on the island. And I was friends with the prime minister and his kids. They were coming, you know, it, it was crazy. It was like truly an amazing to get him for free. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so, so this is just a story to say that, you know, money is good, but it shouldn't always be the first thing that comes on the mind. It should always, you always have to think about what makes the people around you happy because you truly are successful when everybody around you is successful. Right, right. It's 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 making yeah making everybody around you happy and you also being happy with what you're doing. Because exactly. you could be making huge amounts of money but doing something that you hate. Exactly. So, uh, so that's important. So what advice to end it here? So what advice would you give MDs in training, students, or or even physicians in practice if they want to branch out, do something on the side, or even they want to leave medicine. I mean, a lot of them probably would think, oh my God, this is a huge risk we're going to be taking. I have my income that's stable right now and it's, I'm suddenly going to lose it. So what advice would you give them? Right. I would say it depends on each, but it's always good to do something out of the norm. You will feel alive, even though you would lose money, but you would learn a lot, right? And um, I think at some point, Everybody wants to try to diversify, you know, their life. They want to be known not only as a, as a medical doctor, they want to be known as well as a, as a parent, as a dad, as a mom, as an uncle. So it's so important to have a life. It's so important to care about your happiness as well as the well-being of your patients. And uh, if you are able to come up with passive income that, that will give you this, this opportunity to enjoy life, then yes, go ahead and do it. Don't be scared. Life is short. I'm sure so many people know that in, uh, in, in medicine. And uh, it's truly an amazing experience. It's not going to feel good to do something that you're not used to, but read as much as you can, learn as much as you can, and take risks. This is, this is the biggest advice I could say. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Rashid. That was, that was a great discussion that we had. Thank you. Uh, and I hope after this discussion, maybe people who are listening, some people will try to take some risks. I think the, the key is you have an idea, try to act on it. Don't like just sit exactly. around and say, oh, it's scary. I'm not going to do it. Just do it. Right? Exactly. Exactly. All right. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thank you. Thank you.